0: Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here and welcome to the Redeemed and Restored podcast where we connect every Friday so that together we can intentionally discover the faithfulness of God. So today's episode of Redeemed and Restored is entitled Going Back to Church Part 2. So many times during this back to church journey, I had aha moments that answered so many things that troubled me. But at the time I experienced them, I just didn't want to create conflict because of the backlash I knew it would bring. So I often just let it go. Coming out of denial and becoming more self-aware, while at the same time becoming more Holy Spirit aware, my heart was softening and I was willing to see my mistakes, my sinful attitudes, and my bad decisions but at the same time keep my gaze set upon His faithfulness and the work the Holy Spirit was doing in me. So I shot the intro to this episode in front of one of the houses I stayed in while I was in my in-between moments. I rented a 10 by 10 bedroom for $325 a month and began to put roots back down in the town of my demise. So take a moment, write a review on Apple so even more folks can hear about this podcast and be encouraged. You may even know someone who needs to hear this message. So please share the link with others. You might even want to visit my YouTube channel to see the video version of the podcast and connect with the conversations happening over there. So just type into your browser redeemedandrestored.tv and that'll take you right to the YouTube page, and you'll find all the video broadcasts there. So hey, let's get started. Well, hey everyone, Athena dean Holtz here for this week's edition of Redeemed and Restored. Today's segment is titled Going Back to Church, Part 2. As I think about my going back to church years and how during that time I pondered my journey and how I had protected myself against the pain that I carried for so many years. I read this quote in the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book and it was so helpful to see all the different ways I lived my life running from pain. It said, when we are children, creating a defensive wall to shield us from pain can serve as one of God's great gifts to us. If someone suffers emotional or sexual abuse, As a young child, for example, denial of the assault on his or her exposed humanity serves as a healthy survival mechanism. Blocking out the pain enables him or her to endure such painful circumstances. It's healthy to not fully experience painful realities when we are that young so that we survive emotionally. The transition into adulthood, however, requires that we mature through our defense mechanisms of denial in favor of honestly looking at what is true, at reality. Jesus himself said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, John eight thirty two. Unconsciously, however, we carry many defensive maneuvers into adulthood to protect ourselves from pain. And in adulthood, they block us from growing up spiritually and emotionally. The following are just a few common defenses. Denial or selective forgetting, minimizing, blaming others, blaming yourself, rationalizing, intellectualizing, distracting, becoming hostile, end quote. That was pages 141 and 142. I tended to go into denial minimizing the pain, and rationalize to myself why the pain was even there. I think I used my positive personality and natural sales ability to actually sell myself on how it's really not that bad, rationalizing away the pain, and convincing myself that I really don't feel it. I think that's why I always ended up full circle and out of touch with what was really going on inside me. But then I would go into denial, minimize, and rationalize it away so I'd be good again for a while, but I'd always end up back where I started. I could look back and see specific times in my life where I'd utilize these defensive maneuvers to my own peril. A failed marriage, allowing myself to be cut off from my children, losing control of the business I helped to establish, every single time I denied the truth, minimized and rationalized away the terrible pain instead of allowing the Lord to teach me in the pain and maybe even open my eyes to the errors of my ways. As I made my way back to church, I made the decision that rather than going into my normal routine, I would allow myself to feel the pain that came, embrace the negative emotions, and ask God to show me how he felt about each one. This was a powerful process for me to pursue that of bringing to the Lord in the middle of each thought and emotion. Each one was a result of the pain of my past, whether my spiritual abuse or from my childhood. And embracing them was a wonderful opportunity to grow and change and learn how to really trust the loving God I had grown to see as a tyrant for so many years. Another aspect of my going back to church and reestablishing my relationship with the Lord was learning how to hear his voice for myself rather than depending on the spiritual leaders in my life to do it for me. Every time I attempted to get settled, put roots back down, and move on with my life, God would remind me that I am not in control. My brother had invited me to come to San Antonio, Texas to help him care for my mom, our mom, who was struggling with Alzheimer's. And for a bit, it seemed like we'd come up with another plan, another solution by utilizing a a small group home for her. So maybe I wasn't really going to be going down. But I began to feel very unsettled. I launched a new job search and started looking on Craigslist for a small house to rent. At every turn, a big no from God was all I got, and that bugged me. During the study we were going through, I began to connect the dots. I realized that my uneasiness is what Peter Scazzaro referred to when he talked about waiting in the confusing in-between. It's one part of the grieving process and comes after we begin to pay attention to our emotions. Just before this, I posted on my blog about feeling overwhelmingly sad. So I began to recognize the part that I needed to embrace, the confusing in between. Here's another quote from the book I found very helpful. And it goes like this. I hate waiting for subways, buses, airplanes, and people. Like most New Yorkers, I struggle not to finish other people's sentences. I talk too fast. My greatest challenge in following Jesus Christ for over 30 years has been waiting on God when things are confusing. I prefer control. I understand why Abraham, after waiting 11 years for God's promise of a son to come true, took matters in his own hands, and had a baby the natural way. Birthing Ishmael's is common in both our churches and personal lives. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 37.7 remains one of the most radical commands of our day. It requires enormous humility, end quote. And that was from pages 145 and 146. I kept wondering what I was going to do when I grew up. Where was I going to live? What was life going to look like for me? Remember, I was completely starting over. And by this time, I was the big six-o. I was 60 years old. And all of this wondering, and God was not giving me any hints. So I proceeded to wave the white flag of surrender. I asked God to give me the strength I needed to accept the unknown, to be okay with feeling unsettled, to not have any sort of consistent income, and to be content being a guest in someone else's home. That's tough for a type A personality who enjoys being established and productive. But it's where I was and where I existed for quite some time. So coming to grips with the fact was a struggle. Accepting the confusion of being totally up in the air, disoriented and disconcerted as part of the grieving process was hard, but I knew it would be good for me and an experience that would increase my trust in the one who delivered me from captivity. There was so much talk in the cult about dying to self and how that implied if we liked it, it couldn't possibly be godly. I was so relieved to find in the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book, this quote in the chapter called The Top Ten Symptoms of Emotionally Unhealthy Spirituality. And I quote, dying to the wrong things. As Irenaeus said many centuries ago, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. True, Jesus did say, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, Luke 9.23. But when we apply this verse rigidly, without qualification from the rest of the scripture, it leads to the very opposite of what God intends. It results in a narrow faulty theology that says, the more miserable you are, the more you suffer, the more God loves you. Disregard your unique personhood. It has no place in God's kingdom. We are to die to the sinful parts of who we are, such as defensiveness, detachment from others, arrogance, stubbornness, hypocrisy, judgmentalism, a lack of vulnerability, As well as the more obvious sins described for us in Scripture. Do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, speak the truth. See Exodus 20, 13 through 16, and Ephesians 4, 25. We are not called by God to die to the good parts of who we are. God never asked us to die to the healthy desires and pleasures of life, to friendships, joy, art, music beauty, recreation, laughter, and nature. God plants desires in our hearts so we will nurture and water them. Often these desires are passions and invitations from God, gifts from Him, yet somehow we feel guilty unwrapping those presents. When I ask people, tell me about your wishes, hopes, and dreams, they're often speechless. Why do you ask? They respond. Isn't my only wish, hope, and dream supposed to be to serve Jesus? Not exactly. God never asks us to annihilate the self. We are not to become non-persons when we become Christians. The very opposite is true. God intends our deeper, truer self, which he created, to blossom freely as we follow him. God has endowed each of us with certain essential qualities that reflect and express him in a unique way. Part of the sanctification process of the Holy Spirit is to strip away the false constructs we have accumulated and enable our true selves to emerge, end quote. And that was pages 27 and 28. In my almost 13 years in Sound Doctrine, we died to all the wrong things, as we all became clones of the leadership. At the same time, we supported the full bloom of arrogance, stubbornness, hypocrisy, judgmentalism, and lack of vulnerability. How ironic and how deeply troubling. Have you ever had trouble with the unsettling in between? Or with dying to the wrong things? You don't have to have been in the extreme deception I've been under to have experienced these things. What is God saying to you about this? I trust you'll find this perspective helpful. So hey, thanks for joining me today. I'd sure appreciate it if you would like, follow, share, and comment on this episode. And I'd love to connect with you and hear how God is working in your life. Again, my name is Athena Dean Holtz, and this is Redeemed and Restored. So thanks for joining us today on the Redeemed and Restored podcast, brought to you by Athena Dean Holtz and the Romans 828 Bookstore, a division of Redemption Press. I'd love to have you review and share this podcast with friends, family, and others who could use the encouragement. And be sure to check out my YouTube channel at Athena Dean Holtz for more tips and tools to help you find the faithfulness of God. So thanks for joining us today. See you next week for another episode of Redeemed and Restored.